please turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 12. As you turn there, I just want to echo what Dave said earlier. Uh, so, so grateful to the Lord for how He's worked in our church to be able to, to pay off this land uh, so, so quickly. And I, I believe there's, there's several factors at work, obviously. I believe that many of you have just generously given to the, the building campaign or are going to continue to do so. And I believe uh, many of you are, are uh, just increasing your generosity toward just, just general giving. And uh, I believe that our staff that kind of handles the finances has done a great job in, in working to make sure that, that we're frugal, not, not being crazy, not staying under budget, and being able to, to, to put a lot of that money toward uh, the, the uh, land mortgage. And then also just uh, some of you who are new, I, I trust that God has worked in your hearts, and, and you've begun giving to this church. And just, uh, it's just neat to see how God provides through His people for, for His ministry. And so, excited about that and excited about what the Lord will continue to do. And uh, one other thing this morning, kind of on a, a more somber note, uh, our, our dear saint, uh, Brenda Bundy, passed away this, this week. And so, I know that uh, many of you knew Brenda, loved Brenda, and uh, please be praying for the Joyner family as, as Mike's mother has, has passed away. Uh, we're, we're grateful to God that he's, he's called her home to, to be with him. We're grateful for, for her, but of course, uh, just, just mourning uh, for our, our, own, our own sake as we, we think about missing Brenda and her just uh, love of, of other people, her, her, uh, her, her neat testimony to the Lord. And so please be praying for Mike and Barb and the rest of their family, the rest of Brenda's family uh, this, this week as you think about them and in the coming months. Well, let's uh, stand as we read God's Word together. Uh, Luke chapter 12, and we're looking at verses 1 through 3 this morning, but I'm going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 12 to give us the fuller context. Luke chapter 12, verse 1, in the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. You may be seated. May our hearts be encouraged and strengthened through God's word this morning. Let's pray. And Father, our hearts are this, this morning with the, the Joiner family and, and Brenda's extended family. We pray that you would be with them. We pray that you'd be with them even this morning as they're thinking about how best to, to honor their, their mother and their, this family member. And we 
we're sad for our church too, as, as we just love this, this dear saint and are going to miss her, and we pray that you would uh, encourage us as well. And we thank you for her faith in you, your, her faith in your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the way that you've blessed our church. We are celebrating this morning as we, we think about the things that you're doing here in terms of ministries and and we're excited about his, about future opportunities that you have for us, future ministries that you've prepared for us if, if, if you delay, if you tarry. And we're excited about the opportunity to joyfully serve you. And we're excited about your word this morning. And so we pray that you prepare our hearts, you'd soften them, you'd cause us to be receptive to what you're saying to us through your word, through the work of the Holy Spirit. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Here in Luke chapter 12, this morning, we're looking at verses 1 through 3, but as you saw as we read through the, the text, 1 through 12 kind of has a, a common theme, and that theme in verses 1 through 12 is fear of men. And when I say fear of men, I don't mean that uh, you walk around your house and if you see another human being, you hide in a corner. Uh, fear of man refers to that a feeling that you have, that, that motivation you have based upon the conduct of other people that's going to affect how you behave. And so a, a person that struggles with fear of men, whenever they're in a situation in which they might say something about the Lord Jesus Christ, they become afraid about what other people are going to say or how they're going to view them or how they're going to react to them. And so it causes them not to speak boldly. That's fear of men. A fear of men here in verses 1 through 12 has many different fruits, and one of the fruits that we're looking at this morning is hypocrisy. And what we're going to see both this morning and next week as we consider the fear of men, fear of other people, what they're going to think about you, what they're going to say about you, what they're going to do to you, uh, what we're going to see both this week and next is that fear of man can only exist when fear of God is weak. Fear of man can only exist when fear of God is weak. If a person has a high view of other people and is afraid of them and is motivated in their conduct based upon what other people are going to do to them or not do to them or say about them or not say about them or think about them or not think about them, when that becomes a person's motivation, their fear of God, their consideration of God and his majesty and his power and his glory and his awesomeness, that's weak. And conversely, when fear of God is exalted, when we exalt God and consider his majesty and his glory and we're in awe of him, where that's exalted, our concern about what other people are going to say or think or do or believe about us becomes much weaker, doesn't it? Fear of God and fear of man cannot coexist. Fear of man can only exist when fear of God is weak. That's what we're going to see over the next two weeks. Now, this morning, we're going to look at something a little bit differently. In fact, uh, 1998 to 2006, the attorney general in the state of New York was uh, a man that was known as the Sheriff of Wall Street. And the Sheriff of Wall Street was zealous in his attempts to 
uh, prosecute people of white-collar crimes. And so he would attack investors and bankers and people that were kind of uh, on the fringes of the law, people that weren't acting in ethical ways. The attorney, of gener- of the, the attorney general of the state of New York, the sheriff of Wall Street, would go after them. And his intention was to expose them, expose their hypocrisy. He'd, he'd prosecute investors. He'd uh, prosecute people involved in prostitution. He was going after these, these crimes. And as he went after these crimes, he had a belief that he proclaimed publicly that the best way to cause people to change who were involved in these types of crimes was to shame them. He said the only thing that's going to cause these people to change is shame. And by that, he, meant, and he said this, the, the shame of the perp walk, of walking out in handcuffs in front of their friends and family and colleagues. That's what's going to cause them to change. Seeing their pictures on the front pages of newspapers, that's what's going to cause change, he said. One time he was asked, the sheriff of Wall Street, the attorney general of the state of New York, was asked, what advice would you give to a business person? He says, I would never, never write when you can talk, never talk when you can nod, and never, ever send an email. In other words, if you're going to do something wrong, you need to be careful to conceal it. Don't leave a trail. Well, the sheriff of Wall Street's name was Elliot Spitzer. If you know anything about Elliot Spitzer, you know that he was found guilty of some crimes. He was involved in prostitution. And he didn't follow his own advice. He left a paper trail. He left phone messages. But you know what? Even if Elliot Spitzer even if Elliot Spitzer had done everything that he suggested other people do, even if he had been careful to only uh, wink instead of saying things, only if he had been very careful in his email communication, even if he had done everything to conceal his sin, you know what would have happened, right? Even still, his hypocrisy would ultimately have been revealed. No matter how careful he had been, no matter how careful he had had been to conceal the sin and the hypocrisy in his own life as he prosecuted people engaged in the same activity he was, no matter how careful he had been, ultimately his hypocrisy would have been revealed anyway. Because hypocrisy is always revealed. Hypocrisy is always ultimately discovered. And this morning, some of you are living hypocritical lives. Some of us are involved in hypocrisy of staggering proportions. Some of you, some of you students, are presenting one side to your parents, and you're someone totally different around your friends, and you live in fear that your parents are going to find out the real you. Some of you in your workplace are presenting a false front. You're play acting, you're pretending, you're being hypocritical in your relationships at work, and you live in fear that you're going to be discovered for who you really are. Some of you are involved in relationships, a boyfriend or girlfriend, and that relationship is not honoring to God. You're, you're, you're engaged in immoral activity, and you live in fear that people are going to find out what's really going on in your life. Some of you are hiding who you are from your spouse. There are things you don't want your spouse to find out about you. You don't want them to know who you really are, and you're living in hypocrisy. 
and you're motivated to live this hypocritical, play-acting life because you fear what people will think about you if they find out who you really are. What I want you to see in the verses 1 through 3 this morning is this central idea. Hypocrisy is overcome when I replace my fear of man with a fear of God. Hypocrisy in my life is going to be overcome only when I replace my fear of man with a fear of God. Ultimately, all hypocrisy, all play-acting, all pretending is going to be revealed in eternity All secrets are out. And the best thing for us to do now is to replace that fear of man that causes us to pretend to be something we're not with a fear of God that causes us to be transparent and ask for God's grace in our lives. Let's look at the text. Let's begin by looking at verse 1. And in verse 1, we see a warning. And the warning is, Watch out for hypocrisy. This is a dangerous thing, Jesus says. Let's read verse 1 together. It says, in the meantime, remember he's just talked about these, he's just talked with the scribes and Pharisees, and he's had some just uh, very harsh words, justly harsh words for the Pharisees and the lawyers. And now in verse 1, we kind of enter a new phase. It says, in the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And so, just a couple things to note about verse 1 here. First of all, notice that it takes place at a time when things are going well in Jesus' ministry from a human standpoint. I mean, imagine being one of the disciples at this point. You've got one of the most popular teachers in, in, in the region, in the area. It'd be very rare to attract a crowd of this side of this size, and here the disciples are following a rabbi that's the hottest ticket right now. Everybody wants to hear what this rabbi, what this teacher is saying, and he's, he's their guy. They're his disciples, and so they're engaged in this discipleship relationship with the most popular teacher around. There's so many people that are gathering around to listen to Jesus talk that they're literally trampling on each other to get close to him and to listen to what he's saying. Thousands of people and the disciples are part of it. And it's at this point when things are going well, whenever things are so popular, that Jesus warns his disciples about something that's brought on by fear of man. Now, fear of man, we've talked about this a little bit already this morning, but fear of man can refer to being afraid of the bad things that people are going to do to you you're at school and you're talking about things with your friends and all of a sudden your friends start kind of talking inappropriately and you don't want to be the the weirdo that says, hey guys, that's wrong because you don't want to be outcast. You don't want to be like the the weird guy that's the religious freak. And so you're like, I don't want to say anything. I'm afraid of what they're going to do to me. Or you're at work and your coworkers are talking about some some ethical things. You're like, man, I don't want to be the guy that always pipes up. You're afraid of what they're going to think about you and so you say nothing. That's fear of man in a negative sense. But there's also fear of man in kind of like a, a positive sense. In other words, you're, you're afraid of not getting the things from people that are good. You like your spouse esteeming you. And so sometimes you don't do the things you need to do in your marriage relationship because you're like, ah, I, I want them to respect me. I don't want them to, to think I'm, I'm strange. Or you're talking with your friends and, and you enjoy having the respect and the esteem of your friends and so you, 
that's a positive thing that you want from them, and so you, so you don't say what you need to say. There are both positives and negative things that people give us. We don't want the negatives. We want the positive. Fear of man means we're motivating our behavior based upon what other people are going to do. And so here, Jesus recognizes in his disciples that there's a tendency to, to like this esteem and this applause. And right now, right now, when they're doing the right thing, people like them. It's kind of a nice time. That's not always going to be the case, and Jesus knows that. You're not always going to have thousands of people trampling all over themselves to be near you. And so he says, watch out for the fear of man, he's going to say throughout verses 1 through 12. And one of the fruits of fearing men and women is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy can be defined this way. Hypocrisy is to create a public impression that is at odds with one's real person or motivation. It's play-acting. It's pretense. It's pretending. In fact, let me go ahead and give you seven things we see in Scripture about hypocrisy, okay? Seven, as we talk about this watching out for hypocrisy, what is this hypocrisy that we're watching out for? What does it mean to be, to be play-acting, pretending? Let me give you seven things we see in Scripture about hypocrisy. There's more, but these are just kind of seven I thought about as I looked at the verses dealing with hypocrisy in Scripture. First of all, understand this. Hypocrisy is not the same as inconsistency. Hypocrisy isn't the same as inconsistency. This past week, uh, we were sitting at the lunch table with my, my daughter and my daughters and son, and my daughter uh, Ellie says, hey, uh, Daddy, and I said, yes, sweetheart. She goes, how come you and mommy always get special drinks and we kids don't? I said, what do you mean? She's, she's talking about these, you know, we're at lunch, the kids are drinking milk or water, and mommy and I have these caffeinated beverages. We're drinking Diet Dr. Pepper or something. And so she goes, what is that? Now, she's, she's I think, asking it innocently, but there's kind of like this little guilt that goes inside me, right? You know, well, um, I, I told her, it's because mommy and daddy don't follow the same rules that we set for you, okay? Uh, you're a little girl, and uh, we believe the best thing for you to be drinking is, is milk right now. And the obvious question is, isn't that the best thing for you to be drinking, Daddy? And I, yeah, it probably is. You'd probably be better than this caffeinated beverage, but I'm inconsistent, okay? And you're younger, and you need to grow. I'm not still growing in that sense anymore. Uh, so there, I'm inconsistent sometimes, but that doesn't mean that I'm hypocritical, not the greatest defense in the world, but uh, hip hypocrisy is, is different than inconsistency. And in fact, is every week I, I say things that I don't apply perfectly from the pulpit. That doesn't mean that I'm hypocritical. It means that I'm a human being growing in righteousness, growing in sanctification. So one is not guilty of hypocrisy just by being inconsistent. Although, of course, we should be striving for consistency, matching up what we say we believe and how we act. But Inconsistency isn't the same as hypocrisy, and therefore, whenever a person says uh, a, a hypocrite says one thing and does another, not necessarily, not necessarily. But second thing we see in Scripture about hypocrisy is that the hypocrite claims to be something that he or she is not. The hypocrite claims to be something that he or she is not. And Matthew twenty three twenty eight says, "You you outwardly appear righteous to others, but within." You're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. A, a hypocrite presents themselves one way, but in reality, there's something else. In fact, 
uh, take a moment and just turn over to the book of Galatians. It's after the Gospels, after the Corinthians, and then you come to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 2. And in Galatians chapter 2, you have something interesting happen. Paul in the book of Galatians is talking about the gospel and how important the gospel is, and he's talking about whenever he was at the church in Antioch. At the church of Antioch, there were both Gentiles and Jews kind of worshiping God together. But then something happened as these Gentiles and Jews were worshiping God together, and we see it in verse 11. It says, when Cephas, and that's, this is Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. And so Paul opposes Peter. Why? Verse 12, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. So Peter, whenever he's at the church in Antioch, he's kind of worshiping with everyone. He and the Gentiles are eating together. Then some Jews come from Jerusalem, and they're part of the circumcision party. They're part of the, uh, the, the group that says that people need to become more Jewish in order to become Christian. And Peter, instead of saying, no, that's, you know, that's not what a person needs to do in order to become a Christian, he fears these people, and so he engages in hypocrisy. He pretends to be part of them. He puts himself out there as someone that he's not. He says, verse 13, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Paul says, verse 14, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like the Jews? You're pretending to be something you're not, expecting other people to behave the way that you're behaving, but you're not even really behaving that way. Your outside conduct doesn't match who you truly are. The hypocrite claims to be something he or she is not. So inconsistency isn't the same as hypocrisy. The hypocrite claims to be something he or she is not. Number three, as you think about what hypocrisy is and how it manifests itself, number three, therefore, the hypocrite's conduct is actually at odds with the condition of their heart. You see that? The hypocrite's conduct, while looking righteous, is actually at odds with the true nature of their heart. We see this in Matthew chapter 6 several times. In fact, Matthew chapter 6 is a, a chapter in Scripture that maybe we'll talk about some other time. I believe it's been misinterpreted very frequently. There's a couple of verses. Let me, let me just highlight them to you from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is saying to the scribes and Pharisees, or to, to the people here in the Sermon on the Mount, He says, Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. Why? That they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And so the hypocrites announce that they're giving. They have these trumpets. Hey, look, I'm giving. I want everyone to know that I'm giving. But really, their outward conduct is at odds with who they truly are. Now, a lot of times we've used these verses in Matthew chapter 6 to say, well, no one should ever know that we're giving. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. I think what Jesus is saying is watch your motivations whenever other people know that you're giving. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 says, And when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received the reward 
in full, Matthew 6, 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. And so the idea here is, is you fast or pray or give. The hypocrites conduct is at odds with the condition of their heart, and the reason that they're letting everyone see what they're engaged in is so they can receive the attention of men, the positive things that come from a fear of man. That doesn't mean that we should never let anyone know that we're fasting. It doesn't mean that we should never let anyone know that we're giving. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't let anyone know that we're praying. It's simply talking about our motivation for those things versus the motivation of the hypocrite. So the hypocrite conduct is at odds with the true condition of their heart. Also, notice this, number four, as we think about what Scripture says about hypocrisy, number four, the hypocrite harms others. The hypocrite's conduct is harmful not just to himself or herself, but it's harmful to others. The hypocrite engages in scrutiny of other people's behavior. The hypocrite has demands that they place upon other people, and the hypocrite doesn't point people to the grace of God. And the hypocrite engages in conduct that's very harmful to others. We see that in Math, uh, Luke 6, 42. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out that's in your eye when you, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. The hypocrite is harmful to other people that he or she is around because they aren't pointing people to the grace of God. Five, the hypocrite's conduct is always suspect. The hypocrite's conduct is always suspect. Luke 20, 20 talks about the chief priests and the scribes. It says that they pretended, some of them, uh, they sent spies in Luke 20, 20, who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. A person who's a hypocrite can't be trusted. In fact, a person who's a hypocrite can't even trust themselves because they're not quite sure all the time why they're doing what they're doing. The hypocrite cannot be trusted. Their conduct is always suspect. Number six, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy should have no part in the believer's life. First Peter 2.1 says, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. As we become a believer, we embrace the truth and we put away deceit, anything deceptive and, and slanderous and hypocrisy. Then finally, a seventh thing that we see in Scripture about the hypocrite is that the end of the hypocrite is judgment. Matthew 23, 27, we see the judgment that awaits the hypocrite. I'm sorry, uh, Matthew 24, 51. Matthew 24, 51 talks about the judgment of the hypocrites, a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Watch out, Jesus says here in verse 1, for hypocrisy. Beware of it. He calls it leaven, doesn't he, here? He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And one of the most dangerous things about hypocrisy is that it permeates. When a person is hypocritical, they're not just kind of uh, hiding one aspect of their life. What hypocrisy is causing a person to do is not receive God's grace in an area of their life, and it permeates into other areas. They become a liar and guilty of other sins as well. A person who's a hypocrite is in a, a person who's in a very dangerous place spiritually. I read a 
kind of a funny story this, this last week about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. You know, he was the, the writer of the Sherlock Holmes stories. It's said, he said that, uh, he told the story one time, he said that he sent a, a telegram as kind of a prank to 12 of his close friends, and the telegram read simply, uh, fly at once, all is discovered. <laughs> Within 24 hours, it said, all 12 men had left the country, okay? He didn't know what he was warning them about, just kind of the joke to see how they'd respond, and all 12 had left the country. The idea there is that all of us have hidden hypocrisy, things in our lives that are incongruous with who we need to be, who we present ourselves to be. And sometimes our hypocrisies are, are the big, great things. I mean, you, you think about the Jimmy Swaggarts of the world who, who talk about how terrible immorality is and how uh, kind of talk about other pastors that have been involved in immorality and, and condemn them and, and talk about how they should have left the ministry, and yet all the time he's engaged in ministry. You think about the, the great hypocrites of the world, but you also think about hypocrisy at smaller levels. Hypocrisy is presenting one side to your parents, but living something much different. Hypocrisy is, is coming to church and pretending that everything is right in your family when things are in turmoil. Hypocrisy, hypocrisy is pretending to be a hard worker for your boss and in reality doing things that are the exact contrary to that. Hypocrisy is pretending like you love your spouse when in reality you can't stand them. And there are things in your life that you've tried to conceal and tried to present a different front. And Jesus says, watch out. Watch out. You know, I was debating about whether or not to give this illustration because it's a little uncomfortable. But um, this is a room of trust, right? I don't know. Um, well, one of the, one of the things that, that I thought about this last week, I'm studying hypocrisy, and I'm thinking, boy, I hope some people are really convicted by this. Um, and then as I think about applications, I always tend to come back to my own life, right, and, and, and think about how God needs to work in me in these areas. And so, uh, hypocrisy, what is it? It's, it's pretending, it's trying to present yourself off as, as something that you're not in, in a given situation. Earlier this week, uh, I, I was, uh, I like to present myself off as a hard worker. I try to be a hard worker, and I want other people to know that I'm a hard worker. Earlier this week, uh, early in the morning, I, I get up, and uh, I, I know that I'm not going to stay up. I'm, I'm getting up, I'm checking on the kids, and I turn on the office light to kind of go in their rooms and, and look in and check on them. And uh, now, I I live on the corner of a street, and people are often going by and, and, and saying, hey, I saw you out doing this. I, they notice me. Uh, people are stalking me, I think. And um, so I know, that, I know that people see things that I do, and so I, I turn on the office light to go in and check on the kids. I'm like, that's it. I'm going back to bed. And I think, I think I'm going to leave the office light on so that as people drive by, they'll see me up early. <laughs> You're laughing. I really, I really did think that. What is that? That's hypocrisy. I want people to think that I'm something that I'm, I'm in the bed sleeping. But I want you to think something different about me. We do it in numerous ways in our lives. We want to present ourselves as something that we're not. And Jesus says, watch out. Watch out 
by trying to present yourself off as some righteous person when you're not, allow sin in your life to be exposed. Why is that? Well, here's the reason for the warning in verses 2 and 3. The reason that he gives is that hypocrisy is eventually going to be exposed. God is eventually going to expose hypocrisy. Look at verse 2. He says, uh, nothing is, is, is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you've said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you've whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Now, what we're going to see this week and next week, as we talk about fear of man, the way that fear of man, uh, fear of men and women is overcome is by rightly having, uh, having a right understanding of who God is. There's a, a wrong perspective of life that causes us to fear men and women. Then there's a right perspective that allows us to fear God instead. And as we fear God instead of fearing men and women, then it causes us to behave in a different way. In fact, let's just take a moment, look at uh, the book of Ephesians, if you don't mind, just a, it's after the book of Galatians, Ephesians chapter 4. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul's talking about thinking and, and why our, our, we're, we're futile sometimes in our thinking. Verse 17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And so the picture is this. Here's a Gentile. Gentile is here at point A, and Gentile wants to get to point B over there, and instead of walking from point A to point B, they're kind of futile in their thinking. They're just kind of wandering around. And why are they wandering around? Why are they futile? Why are they not uh, progressing? Because, he says, verse 18, they're darkened in their understanding. It's like they're kind of groping around in the darkness. When things are dark, you can't see clearly. A few weeks ago, I went in to Again, just kind of check on my kids. I'm constantly checking on my children, I guess. Uh, but I, it was night this time. It was, I was getting ready to go to bed, and so I went in to check on my kids and looked there. And, and uh, in the top bunk, normally Noah sleeps in the top bunk, and Austin sleeps in the bottom bunk. And so I get up to the top bunk to kind of hug and kiss Noah. And uh, to my surprise, there's Austin. I go, that's a little weird, and give him a goodnight hug. And then I go down to the bottom bunk and tell Noah goodnight. And then I go back into our bedroom, and I I'm going to have a little fun with Whitney, kind of tease her a little bit. And I say, hey, Whitney, uh, did you say goodnight to the kids? And she said, no, I didn't. I said, you need to go in there and tell your children how much you love them. You want to be a good mom. And so she goes in there, and I'm thinking, she's not going to notice. It's dark, and so she's not going to notice which kid is on which bunk, and I'm going to be able to tease her about that. She comes back in, and I go, so, notice anything different? She goes, no. I said, Whitney, what kind of mother are you? You're oldest child was sleeping on the top bunk. Your youngest child was sleeping on the bottom bunk. Whitney, do you really love your children? And she said, yeah, they've been doing that for a week now. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Oh, yeah, it's a week. Well, it's dark in there. I mean, who can tell? Well, the point, <laughs> we fumble around in the darkness Apart from, here, here he says in verse 18, they're futile in their thinking because they're not able to get from point A to point B. They're darkened in their standing. And at the re why are they darkened in their understanding? He goes on. He says they're darkened in their understanding because they're alienated from the life of God, because they're ignorant, because their hearts are hard. And so the progression is hard heart. They become ignorant of God. Therefore, they become alienated from God. Therefore, they're stumbling around the dark. Therefore, 
They're not able to get from point A to point B. They're futile in their thinking. Here's the point. Fear of man causes us to be futile in our thinking. And this week and next week, Jesus is going to say, look, here's your wrong perspective. Here's the right perspective. The wrong perspective says this. I don't want people to know who I truly am, therefore I hide it. The right perspective says, look, uh, hello, hypocrisy is going to be exposed. It's a silly thing to try to hide what's ultimately going to be revealed anyway. And so he says here, Jesus says in verse 2, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. In other words, the idea here is a person sometimes tries to conceal things in themselves. And so a, a person may write something down secret in their diary or may not even write it down in their diary. There may be a thought, an action that you've committed that you thought, no one is ever going to know about this and I'm going to keep it secret until my dying day. I'm going to hide it in the recesses of my heart and never speak of it, never whisper it, never say anything about it, and it'll go away. No one will ever know. And Jesus says, eh, nope. Ultimately, it's going to be known. That thing that you want to have secret until the day you die and beyond, someday I'm going to know about it. Does that freak you out a little bit? And someday you're going to know about the things that I want no one to know about. Ultimately, our secrets are revealed. Verse 3 talks about kind of a conspiratorial secret. He says, the things that you've said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you've whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. And the inner room in a house would be a room that had no windows, would be a room that they keep kind of their valuables in. Imagine taking a person into that room the dead of night and saying, look, there's something I want to tell you. Jesus says that that thing that you've whispered to someone that you don't want the third party to know about, someday that secret is going to be proclaimed from the housetops. It's a frightening truth that the things we've done in secret are evil. A couple things that I want you, three things I want you to think about as you think about, about hypocrisy being exposed. Number one, all things, good and bad, are going to be revealed. All things, good and bad, are going to be revealed. Luke 8, 17 says, Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. 1 Timothy 5, verses 24 and 26 say, The sins of some men are conspicuous, going before them to judgment. But the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. Ultimately, number one, all things, good and bad, are going to be revealed. Number two, number two, and this is an important thing to think about as well. Number two, other people's opinions are not that important. Did you know that? Other people's opinions of you are in the long term not that important. First Corinthians 4, Paul says this, beginning in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3. He says, With me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not therefore acquitted. In other words, uh, I don't ultimately, ultimately care 
how you judge me or another human court judges me. In fact, it doesn't even really matter what I think about myself. Long term, not all that important. What is important? It says, verse 4, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not therefore thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Who is our ultimate judge? It's not ourselves. You're not my ultimate judge. Human courts aren't my ultimate judge. My ultimate judge is God. So, all things are going to be revealed. Number two, other people's opinions aren't that important anyway. And number three, it's God himself who will judge and reveal all things. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14 says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Matthew 16, 27 says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. The irony is, if you think about how hypocrisy is going to be exposed, whatever it is that you're trying to hide from other people, whatever you've said, this thing in my life, I'm not going to hide so that no one finds out about it. I'm not going to live in righteousness because I don't want people to know this and I'd, I'd rather keep it and not deal with it than have other people find out. Here's the irony. People are going to, be, going to find out anyway. Whatever it is that you're so desperate to hold on to and not reveal and not deal with because you don't want people to find out about it, they're going to find out about it anyway. That's the irony of hypocrisy. Everything gets revealed in the end. I don't know if you remember, it's actually still in the news, but last year was around this time it took on a kind of a more intense uh, rotation in the news cycle. That's the, the story about WikiLeaks. Remember WikiLeaks? WikiLeaks is this organization that, that dumped hundred, literally hundreds of thousands of classified documents out into the public domain that anyone could access and, and find out about. And, and reading through some of those is, I didn't read through them, but reading kind of other people that have kind of sifted through there is just remarkable, the, the, the hypocrisy that existed in our government. Our government will say one thing about a person and yet believe something totally different about them. They'll say something about the Afghan government, but in their hearts believe something totally different. Or they'll say one thing about the Mexican government, and their hearts believe something totally different. And, and some of that's political and gamesmanship, and I understand all this, but what, what's interesting about that is it all came to light, right? The things that they thought were so secret eventually came to light and possibly cost some people their lives. Things ultimately get revealed. Hypocrisy is ultimately exposed. You say, you know what, I... I don't want people to know the real me. The answer isn't hiding who you are. The answer is trusting in Jesus Christ to change who you are. Ultimately, who you are is going to be revealed anyway. 
the Elliot Spitzers of the world will always ultimately be revealed. Our hypocrisy will ultimately be seen on full display for everyone to see. And our hope, our pursuit should be, God, show in me hypocrisy. Let me take the words of Jesus here in verse 1 very seriously. God, help me to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, which is me pretending to be someone that I'm not. Reveal that to me. And as you reveal that to me, allow me to expose that sin to the light of your son Jesus so that I can change. Now just before I conclude, let me just offer one little caveat here. I should have said this earlier, but when I say that sin needs to be exposed and hypocrisy needs to be exposed, this doesn't mean that you need to just go around to every person you know and say, hey, excuse me, let me tell you the worst thing I've ever done. There's some wisdom in this, right? Hypocrisy, just like hypocrisy isn't the same as inconsistency, fighting hypocrisy doesn't mean confessing every sin to every person you know. What it means is not presenting yourself to be something that you're not. And to take people that you trust that can, be, that can hold you accountable and, and asking them, hey, these are some areas of my life that I'm struggling with. I don't want to pretend to be something that I'm not. Help me with this hypocrisy. And so maybe you're a young person this morning. You're saying, look, look I've been pretending to be one way around my friends and someone else around my family. I want Christ to, to live in my heart and allow me to proclaim him boldly to, to all people. Or maybe you're married and there's been something that's entered your marriage relationship and it's, it's caused your marriage relationship just to be a, a living nightmare. And you're just like, I can't live this way anymore. I, I need the grace of, of God to shine in my life through faith in Jesus Christ. I can't pretend to be something that I'm not any longer. Or maybe there's some things that you've been hiding from your employer. You're like, I, I need to stop being a hypocrite at work. I need to come clean. Jesus' words are to you, watch out. Allow the light to shine in your life so that you're not presenting yourself as someone that you're not, that you're not play-acting. It's better to deal with these things now than to suffer in eternity because you failed to pursue righteousness. May God give us the grace to be who we truly are, and may we truly be righteous saints, not because of who we are, but because of who our great God and Savior Jesus Christ is. Let's pray. And Father, we we thank you for the good news of your son Jesus, the gospel that works within us. Thank you that through faith in your son Jesus Christ, we can be someone different, that we can have a transformed life. And Father, where we're not following through with who we need to be, help us not to fear people, but to fear you, and that you would richly indwell us. We pray this in the name of your son Jesus Christ. Amen.